Alright, and welcome back to another edition of the Jazz Nation Podcast. My name is Daniel. I am the admin of all those Jazz Nation pages that you're following online. Let's see through uh, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, TikTok, Instagram, MySpace, all those things. Maybe one day YouTube channel, but you can find the links for all those places in one simple spot. Go to linktree.com forward slash Jazz Nation News. With me, like he is occasionally the assistant to the host, his name is Will Wonder. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, man, I am good. I'm not sick anymore. I've been sick for like two weeks. I feel great. My Washington Commanders pulled out their sixth win in the last seven games. We're going to beat your New York Giants the next two times we play. I'm feeling good. I really can't complain right now. Yeah, we don't need to talk about the Giants right now. You know, they uh, like... Like them and my other team that we'll talk about, they're all coming back to reality, it feels like. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. uh, anyways, we'll get to that here in a second. First, before we get into who our special guest is, too, we just want to give a quick, uh, I guess we got to explain ourselves a little bit. We've been off on the podcast now for about two weeks. The assistant of the host has been down under the weather. He's been kind of sick there. And me, you know, it's a busy time right now. I'm sure everyone understands it's a busy time of the year. So apologize. Apologies. Apologize mm. for the last two mm-hmm. weeks being off. But we're back. That's all that matters. So we're back. Yeah, and uh, with the, with us today, we got a special guest with us, our friend Zach. How are you doing today, Zach? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Zach is a, a big jazz fan like me, and uh, he's also got something special to share with us. He went to a game recently in Philadelphia, so we're going to talk about that. But before we get into all that, Zach, since you're a new guest on the podcast, I got to ask you some questions so folks can kind of get to know you. So I'm going to ask you a question. Don't think too hard on it. Just answer as quickly as you can, okay? Got it. All right, first question. What is your favorite fast food place? Man, I, I don't eat too much fast food anymore at this point in my life. I would probably say, I don't know if it counts as fast food, but like Chipotle, Cafe yeah, Rio. That's good yeah. stuff. All right, how about what is your favorite restaurant? Like if you're going down to sit down and eat somewhere nice, what, what's something recently you're going to? Oh, man. Um, recently... Uh, my girlfriend and I have gone to uh, Harbor, which is really, really good. Uh, fantastic. Um, they supposedly, they they fly in the seafood and it's only been out of the water for 48 hours. I'm not sure how true that is. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's fantastic. Tiburon's fantastic in Sandy, uh, kind of similar steak, fish type type of stuff. So, so those are, those are both very good. Mint, uh, if you're into sushi, is fantastic also. So. I, I would say somewhere between those three, uh, I'm rotating right now. Wow, I just got hungry. Those sound delicious. Um, yeah. Next, next question: What are you currently binge watching, or maybe in a show you can suggest to folks? Ooh, that's tough. Uh, a lot of stuff I watch, and this sounds this is pretty lame, but I'll I'll lay in bed and just watch YouTube and, and just watch like motivational videos as I go to sleep. And then I'm fired up and I I can't sleep, but. Um, I, I would say something like that. Um, as far as like watching, watching, I, I haven't watched anything uh, th- that I would say is super noteworthy, unless it's sports uh, or motivation. I don't really watch too, tons of tons of TV. I love Succession though, but but that's not back yet. All right, on HBO, so Succession. And the last question here: Give us your Mount Rushmore of jazz players. <sighs> Mount Rushmore of jazz players. So like, I got four. Um, Okay, Stockton Malone. I think you have to put um, – that's tough because 
people forget how good Darren Williams and Carlos Boozer were. Like the, the, in, in that era, those guys were fantastic for, for a stretch there. Carlos Boozer may have been the best power forward in the world in, in the late 2000s. But I, but I would say Stockton Malone, Rudy Gobert, just because of the longevity of the work, and maybe Darren Williams, probably what I would go with. I would say those four. Damn, I'm going with D. Will over Donovan Mitchell. Guess I guess it's still oh. too soon. Yeah, maybe Mitch. I mean, you could enter. Yeah, you could switch either one out. All right, Doug. Doug is the non-jazz fan. What are your thoughts on his on his picks there? I like it. The uh, the Carlos Boozer being the best power forward in the league in the late two thousands is a bit of a stretch. He was good, but uh, I don't have a problem with that list by any means. All right. I don't know who was a better power forward in two thousand seven, two thousand eight in the NBA. Guy named Tim Duncan, I would say, he's probably <laughs> sticks out to me still. <laughs> uh, uh, oh I yeah, that corrected. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Kevin Garnett wasn't bad around that time. I think he won a title, yeah. but yeah, I mean, you know, Boozer was top five probably. He's <laughs> in the list. All right, well, let's move on to our first topic of the podcast. So, in the time that we're gone here, of the many gains, and we're not going to go through all the gains, but one of the gains that happened during that time is the Utah Jazz were in Philadelphia to play the 76ers. And actually, our guest with us, Zach, was actually at that game in Philadelphia. So, um, just kind of want to get your experience on that. What was it like going to that arena? Was was there things that they had at the 76ers arena that you wish we had here at the, the Vivid Arena? Uh, yeah, about everything. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> food, fans, booze, <laughs> top shelf liquor, you know. Now, I, uh, I, I think that um, what I really took from it is, you know, great, I mean, great sports town, kind of sh- kind of shit people. Um, you know, I don't know if I can say that on this. Are we on, are we on sure HBO you can. You can what? say whatever you'd like, yeah. <laughs> the the – uh, you know, I, I, I thought it was – what I thought was cool, though, and, and uh, it, you know, I thought it was the nicest club experience I, I've been to. So I've been to, obviously, a lot of jazz games in the Toyota Club or the or the 100 Club. Um, and, and, and Philadelphia's uh, club uh, experiences is by, you know, head, you know, head and shoulders above, um, you know, what, what the jazz's experience is. Uh, so that was awesome. They're serving crab in there. They were serving, uh, you know, lots of fish, steak. Um, if, if you're into top shelf liquor, it's included. And um, they had, they, it was a great experience as far as their club experience. And, um, you know, just, just some of the, just the aesthetics with it were, were pretty awesome. So there's, uh, you kind of mentioned it there, but the fans, like, what would you say is the difference between, fans in Philadelphia and fans when you come to a jazz game? I mean, yeah, I, I would say probably the the biggest difference is I, I think both, I think, I think jazz fans, and I've been to enough games out of state, whether it's, you know, at, at, at other NBA arenas uh, in Boston, in Philadelphia, in New York, in different areas, in Los Angeles. And, and I think the jazz fans are probably as, cluelessly and blindly passionate as as any as any group of fans um and 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 i think philadelphia is the same way uh you know just super passionate about their team really care 
Um, I, I think the average fan has has very little. Uh, doesn't matter where it is. Has has very little clue. And this is a knock on on Jazz Nation. It's just fans in general uh, have have very little clue as to actually what's going on. But I, I think they're very passionate. The, the biggest difference I would say though is is you know the amount of expletives you hear at at, <laughs> at, at a 76ers game, just casual expletives after play uh, versus what you would hear, you know golly g or you might hear frick with a lot of vigor in 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 in, uh in in the viv but um that that would be the biggest difference but i think you know as as cluelessly passionate as as uh any fan in any other arena in the nba i think fans are for the most part you know extremely passionate about their team um regardless of where it is but i would just say you know the, the biggest difference is definitely uh the language so Andy Larson's brought this up recently on Twitter about how the the Utah Jazz like in-game experience really could use some help as far as just like even like how they like people that are sitting courtside the Jazz are one of the few teams that still don't have like where there's waiters bringing food and stuff like that and then even just like entertainment going on in the arena is pretty lackluster for the Jazz home games for the Philadelphia experience was their in-game experience pretty awesome where they, where they have in between timeouts and halftime the show's good yeah, I mean, I, I would probably disagree, though, a little bit with personally, you know, I know everyone's different, but I would probably disagree with Andy because I, you know, my, my, you know, uh, quiet, humble flex here, my feet were on the floor um, oh, wow. in, in, Phil, okay. in Philadelphia, in Philadelphia, and yeah, there, there was waitress offering to, to grab us whatever we want, but I don't really, when I go to a game, I, I don't really want someone bringing me snacks and having to you know, the, you know, sort to get them and make sure I'm not spilling on the floor or whatever. And so I, I don't know really how much that matters. I thought um, the in-game experience, I, I, I thought was very comparable um, to, to what you'd have, you know, h- here in Salt Lake. I, I don't think it was uh, any different. I know the Jazz, I, I believe they still, they, they have a DJ, right? They, they still have an in-game yeah. DJ, don't they? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's something I did notice there in Philadelphia is, the DJ was, you know, the, the DJ was very active in game. Um, but but I know the Jazz have 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 their in game DJ too. Um, but as far as any of that, I, I think it's, I, you know, I think it's just butter. If, if we're really talking, you know, do do we really need someone running dogs to the to the front row? I, I don't know how <laughs> I don't I don't know how big of a deal it is. So speaking on actual basketball being played that night, I mean, you got to experience probably one of the best games ever for Embiid and just NBA history. I mean, what did he finish with? Was it almost 60 points or I think so? He had 59. Or? I, think it, yeah. I think he missed a foul shot at the end and missed 60. I mean, just watching yeah, 15, that. How, 59, 8, and uh, I'm trying to remember the rebounds. 11. Yeah, solid I mean, you, game. You're pretty, you're pretty smart when it comes to basketball. I mean, just watching that, I mean, did you just notice at a certain point that there was no way the Jazz could stop him? And was it pretty awesome to see that in, in person? Oh, it was painful to watch it as a Jazz fan in person. But uh, I, I think what, what what really stood out to me, and I was um, uh, I was texting multiple people like throughout that kind of that fourth quarter where I I don't know how many baskets or, or how many points in a row he scored for Philadelphia, but it seemed like every time he got the ball, he's going to score. Uh, and, and, and yeah, he had absolutely had a dominant performance was great. Um, was scoring, not just like he was scoring in a myriad, myriad of ways too. He was scoring every way possible. Um, 
but but what I really took from it is the Jazz have Jazz have really good players. Like Laurie Markin's a really good player. Um, you know, there's several guys on on the Jazz that are that are really good players, but they didn't have a guy that could match that blow for blow um, where he just he just went nuclear and you knew he was going to take over the game. Um, and he, yeah, he was he was really really tough down the stretch. So, I mean, I guess this goes on to everybody in, in that room right now. Would you say Embiid is the best center in the league right now? Does it seem like that's the hmm. way things are going? I, for for me, it's either – I mean, it's it's always a question of him or, or Jokic. And I think what you get out of Jokic is more um, – uh, I don't want to say dependability, but it seems like he's he plays more games. You know, just, I mean, throughout his career, it seems like he's been healthier, doesn't miss as many games as Embiid, but Embiid is tough. Like either one of them, I would say Jokic is a better all around, you know, passer, uh, gets the offense going where Embiid, that's not necessarily his role, but Embiid is just really dominant uh, offensively. That would be my take, but they're, they're right there. I mean, for my team, I'd take either one of them. Yeah, I, I I would agree. I I, I think um, I think Joker can uh, impact the game in more ways than yeah. Embiid can. Um, you know where? I mean, I think Embiid's pretty one-dimensional the way he can take over a game. Um, I, I I think uh, Joker has the ability to really take over the game a, a multitude of different ways. Um, I think he's you know, supremely cerebral, uh, you know, just with his skill and as a passer and, and even up close. And I would have said this even before, but even up close, I mean, I I didn't get the feeling that Embiid is as cerebral as, as Jokic or um, even some other, uh, you know, guys that can really pass the ball from that position. But, but I mean, yeah, I mean, if if I'm a team, I get killed to have either of them. Uh, and just to end this topic out, I mean, like you said, you've been to a couple of different arenas now. Um, where does where does the Philadelphia stand out of all of them? Is that the top arena you've been to, or is it the Jazz Arena or Boston? Um, that's tough because I I, I think that I when I went I, I so I actually went to and and you guys know this, but I'll just provide a little context. I went to game LeBron's last win as a Cavalier was Game Seven in Boston. Memorial Day weekend, 2018. And I happened to be in Boston. I went to that game and I also sat up pretty close, not as close. So I think that was probably the best environment I've ever been in for a game, just with what was on the line, who was playing the history of, of, of the Boston garden. Um, that was probably my favorite experience of a game. Um, now, I, I mean, I, I would actually probably say, you know, I, I've been to jazz games. I've been to a lot of big jazz games um, over the years uh, for, for a lifetime. And I've been to some jazz games that the environment was better than the Philadelphia game. But as far as like comparing regular season game to regular season game, I, I would say that I would say those, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers and, and, and the Utah Jazz have, have a very similar feel. Wow. I was not expecting that. That's a shout out to the Jazz Arena for coming through. All right, well, let's yeah. uh, let's actually talk into some jazz talk now. Let's move on to uh, the team that started out so hot and is now kind of coming maybe back down to reality right now, the jazz. 
um, who were first in the West not long ago, but at the time as we were recording this, the Jazz are eighth in the West. And if 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 it was going on right now, we would be in the play-in tournament. So it's crazy how quick things change in the league there. Um, I mean, let's just go around the room here. I mean, the Jazz are kind of losing games right now. Mike Conley's out right now. Rudy Gay's out. Um, I'll start with you, Doug, as the non-Jazz fan. I mean, what are your thoughts right now on the team? What's what's maybe causing this issue that's going on? I think, I mean, I I, th- I think you can point to Conley not being there as as maybe something um, doesn't keep the Jazz in a calm state on the floor, right? Like when they're down, maybe he's one to kind of keep them focused and going forward. But with that said, I don't think he's like the main reason they're having this bit of a slump. Uh, I would say there were a couple of games where I was kind of surprised that they took the L, like the Pistons game sticks out. Uh, realistically, yeah, they probably should lose to a team like the Suns. They played them very tough. And I think, uh, you know, while we were out not recording, uh, while I was on my deathbed, they actually beat them. Um, but I, I don't think it it's all on Conley. I think, you know, this team is still very they, – they're still very young. They're They're new to each other. Um, so I don't think it's something to really freak out about. You know, you did talk about them. They're in the eighth spot in the West, but with that said, the difference from the, I mean, even the 10th seed to the first seed is just three and a half games. The West is pretty, pretty insane right now. You have teams like Sacramento that are playing well. It's just a weird time early in the NBA season, but I don't think it all leans on Conley not being there. Maybe a little bit, um, you know, he for sure wouldn't hurt. But I think it's just the team figuring each other out, you know, and then especially in those games where they're down, it's like, oh, okay, well, what do we now? Because they've been riding this high of their they, – they generally play pretty well. Guys like Markkinen have been hooping. So those games where he's not doing well, who picks up that slack? I don't think they've actually figured that out. Zach, what do you think? I, I think Conley's probably is, – is a big part of it. Um, I think he's – steadying for that team, especially with them being young, Doug touched on, or, you know, that, that, yeah. that the group's young. Um, and so I think when you have a young group, especially if you have a guy who's 35 years old, who, you know, can kind of write the ship a little bit. I mean, he's not, I don't think, you know, anyone's under the delusion that he's the player that he once was, um, what he's, but he's been through it. Um, and, and I think he provides a certain amount of leadership for some of those younger guys. So I think that does hurt. I also think the other thing is their schedule. And I, I don't, I don't know. You guys probably have the the numbers on this. Their schedule has been incredibly difficult. Like if, if you look at the quality of team they've played, how many, how many games have they played? 20, 22 games, 23 games. Is that what uh, is that? Uh, 22 yeah, 22. Yep. 20, 12 and 10. Games. Yeah. So 12 and 10. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would say that, you know, their schedule has to be, and I, and I don't know this, but has to be right near the top in strength of schedule right now. Right. Um, so I, I think that, you know, eventually, you know, things get a little bit easier schedule wise. I think it, the, and going back to that Philadelphia game, I think the biggest difference and the biggest thing Utah's missing is, is they've got some really good players. Marketing's a really good player. Sexton's a good player. Clarkson's a really good player. They've got a they've got a lot. Beasley's been really good uh, at, at times, but I, but I don't think they have a guy that they can just you know everything's falling apart and hey get us 
we know this guy can get us a bucket where, you know, Clarkson's done that a few times for him this year and he's been really good. I think Sexton had a game late, I think against the Clippers, he did. Um, but, but I think that's, I think that's where they're struggling. I think they're an imperfect team. Um, I think they're overachieving. Um, but, but I think this is probably realistic of, uh, of, of where they really are. If we're, if, if we're being honest is somewhere, you know, in that, in that middle of the pack, um, mm-hmm. as far as what they have. So just looking at the schedule, speaking of the schedule in the month of November. So thus far, obviously they have two games left in November, both home games, but thus far in November, they've played 10 road games. Let's see four at home and they have played one, two, three back-to-backs in the month as well. So it has been a difficult schedule for them. Uh, December, going to be a little bit easier a lot more home games for them but they do have some back-to-backs then too so for sure the schedule has been difficult from my point of view as, as the calling it of all i do think the calling thing not being there is important not just for his leadership but just for the fact that i think i've noticed as a jazz fan that colin sexton really should not be starting like i i like the guy and stuff but he's that dude you need off the bench that brings the aggression him starting it just doesn't seem like they start well with him at the point guard. It just doesn't seem like the flow starts well good. Um, I've just noticed that. Like last night during the Suns game, there was times when like he should have been like maybe getting the team under control and telling them, don't worry, let's get going and stuff. And it just seemed like he was just getting the ball and trying to run to the hoop and score and doing his bull thing that he does or whatever. He just attacks. <laughs> and, you know, he's trying to draw on the foul and he just wasn't getting them. So, you seem to be getting frustrated with that. I don't know. Have you guys noticed that? Is it maybe better? Is that the problem? Is that they maybe need to take Colin Sexton out of the starting lineup? Why Colin's out and maybe bring in THT at the starting lineup instead? Well, I, I mean, I think that's, that's always been Sexton's game and that's always kind of been, I mean, the knock on him in Cleveland was there would be games where, uh, you know, he's running the point and t- defenders are telling guys they're defending. Why are you even working? He's not going to get you the ball. Um, and so that, that's always kind of been the knock on him as, as a real, like a true, a quote, uh, quote unquote, true point guard. But I, I think him coming off the bench is good. I think either him or Clarkson has to come off the bench uh, for a spark on offense. But right now, I mean, what do you do? Do you, you would start t- uh, THT. I know Alexander Walker has had some decent games the past two games, but you know, I don't know who you put in there instead is Clarkson, running the point and then you bring Beasley as the two. I, I don't know. I think the one thing with this jazz team and uh, Zach had touched on it is they don't have that one guy, but they have a bunch of, and I've said it before too, a bunch of solid number twos, number three, uh, a couple of solid number twos, a lot of solid number three options. Um, but I think with him as in that point guard role, that ball doesn't move quite like it should. If it's say Conley or, or, you know, a true quote unquote point guard. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I think, I I think that what I noticed watching just, I I would say the last week when, when they're relying on Conley is, is the ball tends to stick a little bit where I I think, I, I think he's, I think he's dribbling the ball a whole lot where, you know, when the jazz were playing really, really well in a stretch that wasn't even that long ago, a few weeks ago, they looked at times and and I say this jokingly, but kind of serious, they looked like the, you know, 2000 spurs at times where the ball would just get swinging. And and you have guys who like Doug said, are really, really good players. I I don't know that they have really any twos. They might have a two, 
but you're getting guys that are solid threes yeah. on really good teams, naked shots um, yeah. because the ball's moving. And now I, I think there's a lot more standing and watching. And you have two guys that are very, very similar, not not in in their approach to the game, maybe not on their skill set necessarily, but with with uh, Sexton and Clarkson sharing the floor uh, for increased minutes, their, their approach is very much the same. And I think they would be better off, you know, with one of those guys coming off the bench. The problem is, is who do you put, who do you put in at that, at, at that point guard spot? And I think that's also part of them being a young team. And you got to remember we're 22 games in with guys that largely have not played together. And so when you're, when your point guard goes down with an injury, I think that's kind of where you, you really don't have any of this plan B figured out yet. They're trying to figure it out on the fly and you know, you're going to, you're going to feel some pain. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I guess just going along with that, as we move forward to this upcoming week, there's some, I mean, this we'll get to it here in a second with our predictions, but I mean, this, the schedule, I mean, gets easier as far as them being home, but it doesn't get easier as far as the competition. I mean, just this week alone, they have the bulls at home on Monday Clippers at home on Wednesday, and then let's see the Pacers on Friday and Blazers Saturday. Um, not an easy schedule there. I mean, if you could suggest to the coach to make any kind of adjustment, I mean, we're talking about it right now. Would you maybe suggest putting Sexton on the bench and then going Nikhil Alexander Walker at point guard? Uh, I mean, what kind of do they need to make adjustment or just keep rolling with it and seeing if it vibes together? I would say if you do make an adjustment, do it this Monday against the Bulls. <laughs> Uh, and see what it looks like because I, I I do think the Clippers you don't want to kind of mess around with things against the Clippers. The Pacers are surprisingly decent, um, and they have a very very good point guard in Halliburton. So I think you want to kind of have everything figured out by that point. So I say if you do, you're going to want to do it against the Chicago Bulls, who are in a bit of a uh, man. I don't even know what you would call the what what the Bulls have going on. They're just very dysfunctional in Chicago at the moment, but uh, I don't know. I mean, like, like we had Zach and I had both said, I, I think you have to split the time with Clarkson and Sexton. You have to find a way to do it. And if that means Sexton's a point guard, Clarkson comes off the bench or vice versa. I think that's what you should try to do and just see what it looks like. Yeah. Uh, you know, as I'm just sitting here thinking about the guys that are on the Jazz roster, this is where it's tough because I, I know you guys mentioned Alexander Walker, or I, I think you did Daniel, uh, and, and and then you know you, we all, someone also mentioned Tht, but you know if you take Sexton out, both of those guys, you still don't necessarily get away from the issue that you're going to be playing them with, say Clarkson. With those two guys are also shoot first. I'm going to get shots up kind of guys mm-hmm. um and, and so i i don't know that you necessarily get away from that issue um because i i don't know that you have the personnel where you have another true point guard on the roster other than conley uh so i think it's just gonna probably have to be a a trial and error and i'm sitting here thinking about this and maybe sexton is their their closest thing to true point guard that that they have on the roster. I, I don't know that they, that they have another guy that they can pepper in there and is going to fit better with Clarkson because THT's shoot first, Alexander Walker shoot first. You could pepper in Beasley and have either, you know, play him off the ball and either put uh, Clarkson or, or, or Sexton on the ball, but 
Beasley's very much a, a you know catch and shoot guy who's been fantastic, yeah. but but you don't you don't really have an, another true point guard that you can pepper in there. It's kind of I mean it, the obvious thing to think about right now is obviously Danny Ainge when we're talking about this roster and just like the troubles of like well do we roll a Sexton or who do we bring in? It's like I mean this is the roster he made. He kind of knew this is going to happen. I mean. Do we think right now Danny Age is secretly sitting behind a door going, "Oh yeah, it's finally happening." <laughs> well, you know, at the beginning well, of this beginning of the season, when I was giving my predictions on how bad I thought this team would be, I had assumed there's no Mike Conley and it's going to be Colin Sexton and Jordan Clarkson in the backcourt, and no one else is going to touch the ball. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if Danny's you know super hyped and excited. Maybe I mean, who knows? Maybe you, you know he wants these picks to be worth. Uh, a lot more than what they are right now, but you would have to think probably not. He was probably got on the the train of okay, here we are. I put this team together. Everyone's looking pretty solid, uh, and then if they just make a nosedive, he's probably gonna. Then the real uh, interesting time will come if this team does decide, or not this team, if the team ends up making a nosedive and losing a bunch of games. What happens close to that trade deadline in February or March? I guess it is this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just to kind of touch on that, here, here's the thing that I think everyone's got to realize. Like, I'm sure he understood the flaws of the roster, but at the time when, when this was coming together or, you know, when he was breaking it down, because that's really what the offseason was, uh, I, I don't know that he cared because, because yeah. I, I don't, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know that they expected to be whatever, even 12 and 10. I mean, if you would have told me the Jazz was going to be 12 and 10, uh, I, would, I would have said you're crazy, you know, a couple months ago. Um, with, with that said, now you are where you are. And I think the Jazz have started off so strong that even if they went into a, a complete tank, I think they've started off so strong that they're, those those lottery, those picks are not going to be what what you what you think they could have been anyway so i think you've kind of at this point you've already got 12 wins 22 games into the season i, I mean at, at this point my mindset's changed where you may as well you know get the most you can out of this group and and, and i think the other reason that i think sometimes we forget is some of these veterans have played really really well for the jazz which is you know as the jazz have won games which is also going to increase their value I mean, I mean, Doug said it. I don't know uh, numerous times, even uh, on this podcast, that there's multiple threes. There's multiple third options. So there's a lot of guys on this team that you know come the trade deadline. I think you know m- might be in in high demand, and you might end up getting picks out of that way also. So I think at this point, you are where you are. Um, and you get as most as much as you can out of the group. All right, well, let's look ahead to that schedule for this upcoming week and do some predictions here. So like we mentioned, the Jazz start off the week this Monday at home against the Chicago Bulls. Um, I'm going to give this a W for the Jazz. I think they're going to come back strong in the week. And as you've mentioned, Doug, the Bulls are just kind of, you know, they're not horrible, but they're still kind of trying to figure out their their stuff too. So I think this will be a good start for the Jazz this week. I'll give them a W against the Bulls. What do you think, Douglas? Yeah, I'm going to go W. I think the Bulls um the Bulls are a weird team in that, you know, they got uh Levine who wants to be the guy but is pissed off that he's not getting the ball at the end of games. You got DeRozan who still can 
play really well. Vucevic is kind of, man, I tell you what, greatest, one of the greatest trades in the history of trade. Shout out to my Orlando Magic for moving him. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go with Utah on this one. I think Utah gets it figured out and, and takes care of business. I'm going to go with Utah also. Uh, I, I like Utah against Chicago. I think it's, you know, come home, kind of a get right game, um, settle things down. I think, I think this game probably is even more about Utah needing to get right than it is even their uh, opponent at this point coming home. We played a, you know, a lot of games on the road, a lot of tough games on the road, back to backs. Um, I, I think Utah handles Chicago. All right, next game for the Jazz will be on Wednesday again at home. This one again against the Los Angeles Clippers. I feel like we've played them quite a few times already, but for real. Um, Jazz versus the Clippers. Uh, for me, it's always hard because you never know who the hell's playing for the Clippers. You know, right. <laughs> so uh, in, in this current time of not really knowing who is or not playing, I'm just going to have to assume everyone for the Clippers is playing. And with that, I think the Clippers will get the W on this one. Jazz, unfortunately, it'll be a close game, but the Clippers come out with the W. What say you? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, the big thing is, like you said, who the hell's playing right now? If you look at their injury report, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and Luke Kennard all out um, on the 27th of November. But that, you know, things change. So if all those guys are playing, I'll roll with the Clippers as well. Uh, I'm going to roll with the Clippers also. Um, I think even if not all their guys play, I think it's a, it's a pretty deep roster. Uh, I, I know Utah beat them down there, um, but but and, and played them close again. I, I just think they have a better team, so I'm going to go with Clippers. All right, and then that's the end of November for the Jazz. Their first game in December, still home on Friday to take on the Indi- Indiana Pacers. I don't know why that was hard to say. There you uh, go. Pacers at home, you know, I think I'll, I'll give the Jazz a W on that one. Keep in mind, they are on a back-to-back, so Jazz are playing Pacers Friday and then uh, Blazers on Saturday, both at home, though. Um, but, yeah, I'll give the Jazz a W on Friday against the Pacers. What say you, Douglas? This is so tough. I don't know why the Pacers are as good as they are. They were one of those teams that were lumped in with Utah and San Antonio in the, you know, tank for Vic sweepstakes. Um, Halliburton is really, really good. <clears throat> um, Benedict Matherin is disgusting off the bench. Miles Turner has been playing well in the games that he's actually played, but he healed. <sighs> I don't want to say this is what it seems like with the Utah jazz. It seems like they play to their competition. They're playing a good team. They're up there playing well. If they play immediate, it's just like whoever they're playing, they mirror that team. And I think that can be dangerous against a team like the Pacers who they're probably going to be overlooking. I think the Pacers are going to sneak one here and I'll go with Indiana. I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Utah. Um, I, I, I think Utah's just a uh, little bit better, um, and, and and I agree. I mean, I think Indiana's got some great pieces, um, but I, I like Utah in that one. It's home. I, I think Indiana's also another young team, um, so so they're maybe out on the road, maybe a little a little weary of the road. I I, I like Utah against Indiana. All right, and to wrap up the games this week, again on Saturday, back-to-back for the Jazz, but staying home to play the Blazers, uh, another one of those surprising teams of the year thus far. This is going to be a difficult one because on a back-to-back, even though you get to stay home, 
and the Blazers. Oh man. But the Blazers, that's another one of those teams. You who's playing and who's not playing. So you never know. It's hard to say. But yeah, you know, I'll give the Jazz a W on this one. Um, so for me, I'm going the Jazz only lose one game this week against the Clippers and win the other three games. What scares me the most about this game for Utah is that the Blazers pretty much have three days off before they play in November, the very end of November um, against the Lakers. Um, And then they don't play again until they play Utah, which seems like a very long break. Uh, And again, who plays, who's injured, who's not. Oh God. If I got to put some money on this one, I'll go with, I'll go with Utah here at home. I think it's going to be tough though. And also, yeah, no, I'll just go with Utah. I don't want to talk myself out of it. <laughs> I'm going to go with Utah also. Uh, I, I think the Blazers, uh, you know, obviously uh, another team that's really overachieved so far this year. They've had some, you know, some key guys in and out of the lineup. Um I, I don't think they're they're quite as good as maybe they've performed this this year so far. Uh, I know there's some really good pieces, but uh, I, I I like Utah. And maybe it's just the the hopefulness that I'm a Jazz fan, but I'm gonna, I'm going to pick Utah in in that one. All right, and just looking ahead, well, let's not do prediction on this, but I, I got to say, I mean, we're talking about the schedule for November. I, December doesn't get a whole lot easier for them. So that just this week we talked about, those are some pretty difficult games. And then they actually get a couple days off. So after that Saturday game, they get the next three days off. But then they play at home against the Warriors. Then their next game is Friday against the the T-Wolves. So that means Rudy Bear's comeback game. And then the next night they go to Denver to play the Nuggets. Um, and then some other games they play, they've got the Hornets, the Bucks, Cleveland, Man, Detroit, Pelicans twice, uh, Washington, then the Kings can't look or wait, no, that's the Spurs. Sorry. Well, the Kings too. And the Warriors again. So, I mean, they're playing the Warriors twice in December. Um, December is going to be a tough one too. So, and, I mean, as far as I've seen, there hasn't been any word officially that I've seen that when Conley is expected back. So, uh, I think Rudy, they gave him or Rudy two Gay. weeks, correct? Like they said, two weeks, and they would reevaluate yeah. the. Well, well, then they got to reevaluate. So who knows from there? But <laughs> you know, uh, it's going to be a tough month. I don't know if it's going to be as tough as November has been, but it doesn't get any easier. I mean, yeah, there's some more home games, but it doesn't mean the the teams are playing are any easier. Um, I don't know. It's just ah, yeah, it's hard. Um, I, I that's just looking at this. What do you? what do we think the jazz are going to do? Do you think it's going to be the same as it was for them for November? Or do you think they may be just because there's more home games, it should be a little bit easier and get some W's. Mm, that's tough because like you said, they're playing a lot of really good teams that, <clears throat> that Pe- uh, Pelicans not back to back, but on a Tuesday, Thursday is going to be tough. Um, I could see them having a worse record in the month of December than they did in, in November. There's a couple of games in there where they should win, but it's very similar to November. Like they should have probably beat the wizards and they lost. And, you know, they get the wizards here. They'll probably beat this. There's a couple of gimme games, but then you got other games where it's like, it's a toss up on who could win. And in other games where you're like, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, I'll lean towards, um, the Warriors to win just the Warriors too much offense for the jazz, even though Warriors are awful on defense. So I could see it being worse than November was. 
don't know if you've got the yeah, schedule I, pulled up, Zach, but yeah, what are your thoughts on the month of December? Like my biggest thought, like it just jumps and it's not even necessarily on, on, on the schedule in December. It's just the schedule overall. It seems like every year Utah's schedule starts out incredibly, incredibly difficult for the first, I don't know, half of the season. And then it, and, and then it gets uh, weaker as things go. And maybe that's just, uh, you know, as, as a jazz fan, I'm, I'm complaining to complain, but um, <laughs> it, it seems incredibly difficult. Um, I, I can't imagine anyone's had a more difficult schedule. I think they'll probably have, if I were betting, a probably a worse record in, in, in December than they did in November, just because of the sheer degree of difficulty uh, of the teams they have to play. Um, so, I, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting. Well, I mean, our time's about up on this podcast. A lot of uh, a lot of uncertainty in the future for the Jazz right now. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see here. The funny thing is, is like we're doing all this talk, and it's amazing how little trade talk we even talk about anymore. But that's still always looming in the background. I mean, I don't think there's still a week goes by that I don't see some kind of article where they're so like, well, this person might get traded from the Jazz and stuff like that. So. Should be interesting to see. Well, let's get in the plugs for everybody here. Let's start with you, Mr. Will Wonder. What do you have to plug and get out there for the folks? Yep, every Wednesday the Will Wonder Pod uh, comes out, so you can follow the podcast on Instagram at the Will Wonder Pod. You can follow me on Twitter as long as that thing's still around at DJ Will Wonder. Um, and also this week, this Wednesday, it's the fortieth four zero anniversary of Michael Jackson's Thriller, the all time highest selling album of albums of all albums ever. So I'm going to do a special record shop on that. We'll cover some NBA and NFL as well as we usually do. So yeah, that's about it. All right. You, Mr. Guess Zach, what do you got to plug? Let people know what you got. going uh, on. www.brazzers.com. Um, <laughs> 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 nah, I, don't, I don't got anything. Uh, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm just happy to be here. Appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, check out check out Will Wonder's pod. Uh, continue supporting Jazz Nation. You guys do a great job. Uh, first time, first time caller, long time listener here. Uh, so <laughs> now wait a minute, wait so, a minute. You own your own business and stuff here. How can you not promote uh, that? Let people know about no, it. No, no, no. We're good. We're good. As I, he uh, said, www.brazzers.com. <laughs> yeah, I gotta 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 get uh, you know, just keep keep it keep it moving forward. And uh, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. Right. I would say for those that don't know what that is, just don't look it up. <laughs> just, yeah. to be, just to be safe. It's not really his company, and it's not something if you don't know what it is that you should be looking up. So, how, how many kids? How many kids under? Uh, you know, 14, <laughs> what are the de- what are the demographics the for this? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I guess I'll get some notifications and see after this. We'll see. But Billy, your mom is going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> And on on that note, let's end this podcast. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Make sure you're subscribing, reviewing, telling all your friends and family to listen. Appreciate you for sticking around and making sure you came back and gave us a listen. We'll be back hopefully next week. Who knows? We'll see if I get sick this time. Hopefully not. But I appreciate you for listening. Go Jazz and bye-bye.